The Imprint Companion Podcast is, of course, brought to you by Imprint Films. Imprint Films is a brand new Australian boutique Blu-ray label. Check them out for limited edition deluxe Blu-ray releases of long-requested and previously unreleased films. Check out the past and future releases online at imprintfilms.com.au. You can follow Imprint Films on Twitter at imprint underscore films or one word on Instagram at imprint films, no space. And finally on the Facebook page at imprint films AU. You are listening to the Imprint Companion. My name is Alexi Toliopoulos, and I am obsessed with physical media and Blu-rays, which is why I'm honored to be hosting and co-hosting this podcast that is dedicated to the Imprint Boutique Blu-ray label. <laughs> I'm joined as always by one of the great film critics and filmic minds in podcasting in not just Australia, but worldwide, Mr. Blake Howard. Oh, Alexi, I am deeply aroused when you talk about wow, physical wow. media. <laughs> that is my goal, is to talk about physical media and to elicit a physical reaction from within you. <laughs> oh, it, look, this is... This shouldn't... Uh, this is too much fun to actually even be a project that we are uh, mm. doing. Uh, I have so much fun talking to you, my friend, and talking about... Like I, I just love curated viewing experiences. I'm loving yes, it. I, 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 I love... Uh, it's so hard and I think so many people look for that and even you um, who's also kind of gone to the dark side um, as we talked about in the last episode um, <laughs> yes, going into I've, go, I've gone to streaming you've gone to streaming but we drag you back um, to where your heart lies your head may lie with mm -hmm. streaming your heart definitely lies with physical media and I just love exactly. that Imprint is not only a boutique label that's bringing out stuff, but just like dropping a batch on us about every eight mm -hmm. weeks. Um, and, and you just go, wow, here's a whole batch of things. And sometimes and, and, and in this batch, there are so few of them that I've seen and I'm seeing a lot of stuff yes. for the first time. And I'm so excited because then, as you said, the perfect experience is seeing something you've never seen before digging it and then diving down the rabbit hole with special features and having a great addition, a great transfer and just knowing you're getting the best. So I'm, I, I love this and I can't wait. And this movie that's kicking off this episode and this batch. Oh my God. Speaking of aroused, um, it, it definitely is. Uh, it got us hard. This is like the killer app. This is so far <laughs> the must own item of imprints entire label. 100%. Like this is, High quality, this import quality. This is a worldwide first on Blu-ray. And this has... This is something I said to you. I don't know if I ever put it on the record, but this is something I said to you in private about Imprint being a new boutique Blu-ray label. I was like, if I was them... I would just be looking at like forums and see like what movies people are talking about <laughs> should be part of like a boutique Blu-ray label. Yes. And this is like one of those ones that people have been dying to have on Blu-ray. It's such like uno. a collector's item. This is like probably top in the top 10 most wanted films to have to receive a big special edition like this. Yes. We are of course talking about one of the master filmmakers Paul Thomas Anderson and his feature directorial debut, the movie is sometimes known as Sydney, but most people know it as Heartache. I saw a cat have a heart attack right at the craft table. Bam! 
the game just keeps going on. I mean, people are yelling, place the eight. Somebody call an ambulance, place the nine. Meanwhile, this old bastard's laying on the floor. Like, <laughs> the people are still playing. You know those big monster books of matches? I had one of those in my pocket once. And I'm standing there in line for a movie, and all of a sudden just wham! I have to make money. I have bills. I have an apartment that I have to pay for. I have a car. I have a Camaro. I mean, that costs money, you know? Come on, old time. You gonna join us? $2,000 heartache. Oh, man. You play that game. You are big time. Hello, cat. This is a banger. Like this is this is a ba- this is batch worthy. Remember how Elaine said like you uh, like mm. are you sponge worthy? This is <laughs> yes. are you are you batch worthy? And this is <laughs> this makes this entire Absolutely. collection batch worthy. Think you're sponge worthy? Yes, I think I'm sponge worthy. I think I'm very sponge worthy. It's like oh, I, not only I mean we talked about three films that are great. Danger Diabolique mm-hmm. is probably one of our favorites in this whole batch. Like Alexi and I yep. have both seen Heart Eight, but like when I look at when I see Heart Eight in this list, and you've got a list of five, and this is their biggest batch yet, October. But like you see this kind of moving, like that's batch worthy, baby. Like that's this is I, I guarantee you this is going to be this is going to instantly sell out. If it hasn't already sold out, yep. it's gonna it's it's going to be their fastest seller for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely, get get on it because this is going to be a collector's edition and because it's a worldwide first for an, a movie that's been like highly sought after to receive this exact special edition this is i'm so glad to say like import quality because oh. this movie has never looked better than it does on this no. i remember seeing this on like a crappy dvd at film school like in the library <laughs> and still being like oh Fucking hell, PTA <laughs> is always the shit. Always. His first film is just like, it's one of the great directorial debuts. I put it up there with like, she's got to have it. And uh, I, God, I don't know what else. Like this is really, this is such a legit directorial debut. I, it, it's so great. And I just want to talk quickly about the transfer because that's something you jumped on. And we can jump in about mm-hmm. this movie if folks haven't heard of it, but so very recently, um, Barry Jenkins, who made who, who, whose film Moonlight won Best Picture, yep. he did a follow up called "If Bill Street Could Talk," and Oof. if if Bill Street Could Talk is an absolutely it would not shut up about the transfer <laughs> of heartaches. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the best. That's how I should finish that. But it, what makes um, Bill Street so great is these languid close-ups mm. and they are so stunning and striking that you kind of like almost can't talk like you look at them and you can't speak and so what really struck me with the transfer for hard eight and for the real like I'm, I'm the producer of increment vice so i have to say this on behalf yes. of travis like the real pta heads out there like call me even like blasphemous for not calling it sydney but like what makes mm. this transfer so wonderful is the close-ups are just mesmerizing and they're so pristine and clear. And I was just watching Philip Baker Hall, who is the star of the film, Mm. you know, his face in close-up in these slow and beautiful close-ups. It's just like, man, you know, Paul Thomas Anderson was obsessed with this guy. He says he's like America's face. Like he's like a quintessentially American American actor. And I just think, you know, I was watching this and I was just like blown away. It's such, it's such Mm. a great one. It's so good, and I love that that lead performance as Sydney from Philip Baker Hall. It's such a great idea. Like reading about this movie and knowing about it for so long, rewatching it um, over the last few years. One of my favorite movies 
has come to be Midnight Run. Yes. And Philip Baker Hall plays a, has a small role <laughs> yes. as someone that works in a casino, and his name is Sydney. And t- Paul Thomas Anderson has said that this is his spin-off of Midnight Run. <laughs> and that's like what why this movie exists. Uh, and it's so amazing to like go, this actually really does feel like what if we followed a minor character from a crime movie and made a movie about them. I think that's what feels so good about this movie because there is that specificity to it. Yes. There is like that that really low level like crime underworld feeling to this film that feels like, you know, are we even breaking the law because what are we doing? Is it like, you know, I, I just have... It's so hard to just talk about this movie because... It is so good. And this is like, you know, we want to give you a preview, but I want to dive into it too far. Look, it, the best things also are you get an audio commentary from mm-hmm. Paul Thomas Anderson and Philip Baker Hall that are kind of in a chorus. And then there's a second option where you get Michelle Satter from Sundance Film and there's some crew members and stuff who kind of chime in. Um, that, that, chime in and out, yeah. That, 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 that's a, it's kind of like the way that it's structured, but... Now watching it later, when you know the master, Paul Thomas Anderson, for who he is, you know, this is the guy who made The Master. This is the guy who made There Will Be yes, Blood. This the is the master that made The freaking Master. Yeah, the master that made The Master. I was just watching this and going, for the first time, John C. Riley is Paul Thomas Anderson in this movie. Like, Wow, like, dude. Like, that, I was watching, I'm like, this is, there is so much about especially when you hear his commentary and he's kind of like, oh, man, it's all, you know, love, man. Like my, my, my you know, the great host yeah. of Increment Vice, Travis Woods, who's one of the best PTA heads going around, does a phenomenal yeah. impression that I won't spoil, like I won't ruin because he's so much better <laughs> than mine. But um, John C. Riley in this movie just feels like Paul Thomas Anderson. So it's like this weird yeah. mix of this kind of virtuosic young filmmaker who can write these great profound words and do these huge profound turns in the story and just have a lot mm-hmm. of like the foundational skills that are just so incredible but also you get to see a little bit of that personal touch and him being a bit out of sorts and him sort of being all over the place and um and and that energy is in john c Riley's character and just you know wanting yeah. wanting to do anything for his girl clementine played by maybe in her best performance i reckon gwyneth paltrow like yeah, still so she's great in this just film killing it samuel jackson's in this movie it's just a great this is a real ripper like it's a real ripper of a movie yeah. super enjoyable very engaging continues to be phenomenal transfer and yeah like i mean yeah it was just so good to finally see this movie look as beautiful as it should because yes. you know we've come to know like pta to be like such like a great composer of shots one of the great modern framers yeah. i mean he shot the phantom thread as his own cinematographer so we know that he has like this visual language that needs to be communi- communicated that needs to look beautiful and finally like this movie does look that oh. and beyond that like this one of the other features i dived into with this it's very small but it's very meaningful where it's the sundance lab yes uh the stuff that he shot as like in the sundance lab where he receives some funding to shoot some scenes from this movie at like with from sundance and like it's many great directors that we know today have gone through that and it's awesome to see those. I've never seen those from him before. No. Maybe you could have found them online before, but I've never found them. And to like see that, like, it feels very special. Like this is 
this is like a must own. I don't know how else to say this without glowing. Like, no, this is so cool. No, it's it's as cool as it gets. And he's like one of the last guys that does it. And the only thing that I'll just say to wrap it up is the most hilarious thing that ever came out of this master, Paul Thomas Anderson, making the Phantom Thread is that Christopher Nolan's kids call him Reynolds Woodcock. So that's wow. that. That's as good as it gets for me. Um, this guy, yeah, look, it's spe- it's special to have it. It's special to finally have it. And it's so mm-hmm. special in the commentary. Like very early on in the commentary, PTA talks about how, you know, he, he almost disowned this movie because of the trouble that he had with the title and the conflict that he had with the distributor. And there was also, you know, he, you know, he famously walked in to to New Line with the Boogie Night script, which is like 200 pages long, like very elaborately pulled together script with even shot details and descriptions. And I'm going to end the movie on a gigantic dick and all that stuff. And it's like, I'm going to read you the whole script right now. And you guys are going to sign off on the script scene for scene because you're not taking my final cut away. You're not changing the name. You're not changing the music drops. You're not changing what I'm doing. And that was from a bad experience with Sydney. But it's so, so cool to hear him like blow past that in the commentary track. It's like one of the most heartwarming yeah. beginnings of a commentary because he's just like, I, I disowned this movie for a little while, but I love it so much and it means so much mm. to me. And like, I kind of like would never want to lose this in my career. Yeah. And I think if you're a Paul Thomas Anderson completist, and I know I've got every one of his other movies that are on Blu-ray in my collection yeah. right now, it's like, once you've got this, it's like, I can finally alphabetize by director and throw in Hard yes. Aid in there, baby. That's uh, That's the one. Oh. Finally. Yeah, it's it's so good. I mean, what can you say? Like like you said as well, like I think there's a few movies that'll come out in this collection that we've done before. I you said it about that on the Night Falls on Night Falls on Manhattan that this commentary is like a film school in a box. Yes. And I think as well, plus with those Sundance labs, this really does have that quality. Like, you know, if only there was like one more big like in-depth like retrospective or like a making of feature but for this movie those are never really going to exist this is as close as you can get to like a paul thomas anderson film school in a box yes uh because it's his directorial debut man like it's so raw that's it so so good so from something that's so good that was so hard to get on blu-ray and so sought after to something that is completely surprising we're going to jump to the next one in the batch Mm -hmm. This movie is called The Winslow Boy. From the commanding officer of the Royal Naval College at Osborne, reporting the theft of a five-shilling postal order was cashed by your son, Cadet Ronald Arthur Winslow, that they must therefore request you to withdraw your son from the college. If you did it, you must tell me. Did you steal this postal order? No, father, I didn't. From acclaimed writer-director, David Mamet. The father's fight for his little boy's honor. Well, I venture to think the case has rather wider implications than that. One cannot sue the crown. I intend to fight this monstrous injustice with every weapon at my disposal. Catherine Winslow. Robert Morton. I want the best. The best in this case is not Morton. Then why does everyone say he is? No one need ever have known about Osborne if you hadn't shouted it out to the whole world. But isn't it already too late? Even if we throw up the case, would you still want to marry the Winslow girl? All that will blow over in time. I'm rather surprised that a case of this sort should interest you. My attitude has been the same as yours, a determination to win at all costs. And I'm just going to read you the synopsis because not anyone really, I think, listening would just know immediately what that is. And if it is, you're you're spoiled. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. Yeah. 
Following the no, I'd never heard it. I'd never heard of it. Following the theft of a postal order, a 14-year-old Navy college cadet is expelled. To save the honour of the boy and his family, a preeminent barrister is engaged to take on the Admiralty. Now, this seems like, oh, look, this is a bit of a, you know, turn of the century, you know, uh, a stiff upper lip British, you know, Admiralty, like a bit, you know, maybe like a glorified JAG episode or something like that, if folks yeah. are on the knives <laughs> are thinking about but, but, But it's based on a Terence Radigan play and adapted for the screen and directed by the incredible David Mamet. And yeah, one of the great playwrights of all time, one of the great screenwriters of all time, absolutely a director of like high caliber. That's nothing to snuff at. No, and I am a big mammoth head. I studied mammoth like whenever I've done theater. I did freaking mammoth monologues for all my old acting. I love stuff you so much. I in lo- high school, I love that. Put that coffee down. <laughs> Coffees for closers only. You think I'm fucking with you? <laughs> Oh, I'm not fucking with you. I'm here from downtown. I'm here from Mitch and Murray. And I'm here on a mission of mercy. <laughs> I wonder if I could know the whole thing further. I went further than I had ever that I knew I had in me. I was so impressed because <laughs> I know that Alexi's not looking at the script. He's looking in my eyes. <laughs> and I'm and I love it so much. Um that none of those lines are in the Winslow Boy, but what you get no. is you get in essence, and so I, the synopsis not, might not sell it. What's amazing is the head of the house, Nigel Hawthorne, um, plays Arthur mm-hmm. Winslow. His son Ronnie, played by Guy Edwards, comes home and basically is accused of theft, and he has an in- interaction with his son. And he goes, "Look, if you did it, you did it. You got to tell me the truth. If you didn't do it, that's it. We'll fight it." And so he basically says to his dad, no, I didn't do it. No, I didn't do it. And they have this exchange. It's like a 10 second exchange. Mm. And this guy pits, you know, he's a well-off guy. He holds a high esteem in, in, in the country. He's a banker. He's, he's about to try and try and marry off his daughter, Catherine. And in this moment, he like decides, I'm going to just put it all on the line for my son's reputation and the family's reputation because his son could go to another school and it could just be swept under the Mm. rug and it could just be very discreet. But the fact of the matter is that he just goes with it. And that is what's so cool about the little behind the scenes stuff that you get on this disc is that Mamet talks about that's what attracted attracted it to him. And, and watching it as well, it's so damn, such a damn understated thing, but yeah. It is just so phenomenally acted. It's really engaging. There's a lot of subtle, but so engaging, subtle tricks of uh, production design, which are just incredible to t- see about mm. passages of time and this family like dedicating all their money and everything that they can to it. Like you know, you you begin with this beautiful opulent home, and then you start to see, yeah. you know, as time passes and as more money is sapped out of their family, you start to watch. Um, all of the, <laughs> you start to watch all of the paintings in their walls and their furniture yeah. gets sold and, and you can see that in the pristine Blu-ray and it's just a damn, it's like a barn burner. Like it moves so quickly. Mm. It's so eloquent. It's, it's, it's got a lot of mammoth. Um, I love, I think if I was to posit anything that mammoth injected into it is just nat like naturalness. Like it, it feels like yes. it could be really stiff, but 
he has people talking and stumbling and mishearing each other. And there's just this great organic, mm. like natural feeling that happens while also moving really quickly. And you kind of see this drama unfold really behind closed doors with like confidential conversations with like their lawyer yeah, and, and the whole family. It's just, I, I really had a good time with this. It's a courtroom drama with like one scene existing in a courtroom. Yeah. It's, I think you hit on something really good about like the mammothness is like mishearings and stuff. Yes. I think that like the mammoth is known for like very snappy, quick, rapid fire dialogue, repetition of lines. This movie doesn't really have that. No. But I think like, you know, mammoth is one of the great playwrights of all time. And there's something about this film that glows with like this tremendous respect that he has for the work of another author of another playwright yes and it, i think that's what really drew me to this and what i like appreciated about it so much where i'm like i want to see mammoth do like freaking arthur miller now yeah. i want to see him tackle like other like classic plays and adapt them for like the screen in like a classical setting but with like his kind of like just that little essence of his sensibility. And of course, like this movie stars uh, Rebecca Pigeon, who is Mammoth's wife. And I think like her performance is like so interesting because it's like one of those things where it's like she's playing uh, a woman who's like in the midst of like the feminist movement in yes. the midst of suffrage. And I think that there's something about this character and the way that she plays it that like reminds me of like when Joe March in like adaptations, film adaptations of Little Women, where that character always feels like so exciting and contemporary. I think there's something that she brings to this character that is both that excitement and feeling contemporary, but also someone who's like still knows this world that they're in and still feels honest and true to that world that they're in in this film. You know it. Just like you know it. I think that this is like I think this is really really good. This is a really exciting and interesting movie. And it's like an, a complete outlier because Mammoth to me is American theater. Yes. And to him to make something that's so not American fucking shocked me. <laughs> and and also you you nailed it about his wife, Rebecca Pigeon, is like she's got world weariness under her belt mm. and just like awareness that there's no naivete. Like she knows yes. that she might be pushing no shit up. She might be pushing shit uphill. And that's what's so exciting about that character. Like, it's like, she's, she's in the world. She knows how the world works. She's having these really candid conversations and that they're, they're talking real like Turkey and maths and all this, like un, yeah. un, all the unromance of like what the, the life is. And, and so I think it's like, while it's not mammoth, there's a couple of great scenes where, um, where like as uh, Jeremy Northam's character, Sir Robert Morton comes in, where he kind of does this like faux interrogation of um of yeah. the young boy Ronnie Winslow, and that's got some mammoth like BDE, you know, big dick mammoth yes. energy. <laughs> like in yeah, the- that's him coming in like I'm here from downtown. <laughs> I'm here from Mitchum Murray. <laughs> that's it. Does have that's that whole quality, but like I, I I love I love what you said there because you start to hear about them. We're we're not unfortunately we're not lucky enough in Oz to always hear about them and catch them but it's like um, you know there's adaptions of To Kill a Mockingbird that like Sorkin Mm. took back to Broadway with Jeff Daniels in the lead role and you know there's those 
sorts of things that um, some of these great playwrights do take the great works and just riff yeah. on them because they think that they're masterpieces and they bring a lot of their own energy to them or their own quality. And like, yeah, I'm all for this. Like more playwright, yeah. director, to, uh, writer, director, playwrights, you know, you know, tackling the things that they love the most. Like, yeah. I mean, and yeah, just a real surprise and zips along. It's like, it's, it's 144 minutes. It just flies by. Oh, I actually had no idea it was that long. Yeah. it's. I thought it was way shorter. Oh, sorry. An hour and 44 minutes. Sorry. It's a hundred minutes on basically on the, on the button. It's just really quick. Even that, I thought it was shorter than that. <laughs> it's, it's really quick. It's it's and but yeah, really terrific. I would also say, like, I think Mamet is a great director. His book, literally called On, On Directing, Directing, is so good. Yeah, that I would also say, like, you know, I love movies like House of Games. I love like Homicide, but I think this is his best directed film. Yeah, I'd nearly, I'd nearly go that far because it's so out of his, it's so out of his comfort zone, of like. The, I think that's what it is that the, he still captures it masterfully. Yeah, and it's, 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 he also gets like it's such a smart. This is a director who knows what he's working with. Is like mm. you're taking, you take out the trimmings, like you take out. You take out the world outside and you just try and have the ecosystem of what's happening and yes. reflected in the family. And like, he gets that. And mm. I think in crappier transfers, people might not have appreciated the detail. Like I, like I'm a big, I know yeah. you're like this, like a big production design geek. And like mm. when you are watching opulence get stripped away from this family and the sacrifices they keep having to make and like the characters looking older, and really the miles, like Nigel yeah. Hawthorne in here, the miles on oh, him. Oh, he's superb he's in this movie as well. Superb. But the miles on him, like he just like, he looks older, he looks tighter, he's starting to lose it, the family, the, the way that they're structured. Yeah, just, I had a ball, I had a ball with this. I watched it and I was like, that is yeah. a ripper. Like that's a total, yeah. you could totally turn that on anytime. It would be one of those anytime. movies. Anytime. One of those movies that if you were flipping through, like you do, um, like on, on like a, on a streaming service. Mm, if you were to go to the devil <laughs> if you were to go to the devil and it was on there you'd be like i'm in like i'm totally in yeah. i can totally watch this but yeah like so glad that this is here and again in that whole completest thing that we like to talk about on this show quite a bit it's like this would be a mammoth that i never would have known existed absolutely i would never have clicked that link no. in his filmography ever no ever especially because the winslow boy doesn't sound like heist, you know, it doesn't sound mm. like the untouchables. It doesn't have yep. the same ring to it, but the fact that he was drawn to it, it's um it's special. Yeah, and I would say as well, like that making of featurette is really good at mm. just coming to like understand and appreciate like what why he made this, why he was drawn to it. And it's this is the underappreciated. This is the underappreciated MVP of all special features docos is like when you actually get to see directors watch a take. Mm. I love that. I can't get enough. Same. And and, yeah. and I want more. I, every time I watch it, I'm like, don't give me like one or two takes. I want like, mm. give me 10 minutes where, you know, like they're talking about watching him like coach a young yeah. actor or whatever. There's some good ones in behind the scenes things with like Oliver Stone where like, you know, there's some great ones mm. of like Oliver... There's a great one of Oliver Stone on any given Sunday where he's like that he goes to Jamie Foxx to talk about like what he's going to bring to a scene, and I just like I can't get enough of that. Like I want to I want to see that, want to hear it. And you see you see Mamet doing this like standing behind the cinematographer, he's watching it, he's seeing the sh he's seeing the performance play out. He says cut, he walks over to the actors, and.
And I'm just like, oh, just make the rest of this behind the scenes doco him like really yeah. softly, beautifully spoken. Like he seems like such a, you know, blustery dude, like just in his manner, but really delicate yeah. directing style. Like even in just the couple of glimpses you get at it, which is such, such a rad thing to see. Yeah. May I go down this rabbit hole for you a second? I need to give you another tangent. <laughs> Have you ever seen the art house film director Jonas Mikas made a documentary following Martin Scorsese during the making of The Departed. Like he just goes on set for like no. a few days. No. And it's all that. It's all like him looking at takes and stuff. It is so bizarre to see like this underground legend of like art house cinema just on Scorsese's like top five most mainstream movies <laughs> ever made. And just making this like weirdo documentary. Where do I find it's it? Like, is it online? I think it's just on Vimeo. Oh. He like did the rounds like sometime last year. And it is like such a weird little entity, but Jonas Mikas, uh, it's like, it's called something like Scorsese directs or something. I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's fairly easy to track down. And it is such a weird little oddity that it even exists. And it's for the departed. I'm going to find it right now. Notes on an American film director at work, Martin Scorsese. So that's what it's called. Yeah. Jonas Mikas notes on an American film director at work. Amazing. I'm going there right yeah. now. I'm going to put it in the link of the description of the show to, because I think that <laughs> I think it's important. It's a must watch. We've only got one movie left to discuss in this episode, and there has been some weird movies in this <laughs> little batch so far. Yes, but I would argue there are none weirder than Jonathan Livingston Seagull. No, nah, there's nothing weirder than this movie. They're, 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 I, I mean, so Richard Bach wrote a novel called Jonathan Livingston Seagull and Neil Diamond writes a whole bunch of music for it and it's, it's kind of like an anthropomorphized animal documentary that kind of like gets turned into like a weird narrative. Like, you know, those moments where like David Attenborough is like, and the yeah. mother and the mother squirrel sees her, her daughter off to the burrow or whatever. And you're like, that's not actually what's happening here. It's, it's way yeah. more primitive than that. But like, it is 99 minutes of that with Neil Diamond songs. It was a really strange experience. Mm. I'd never seen this movie before. I'd never heard of this movie before. But I feel like I might have seen it because I think as a kid, this was a kind of movie that I was very into. Really? Like Milo and Otis, The Bear, um, by what's his name? Jacques Onard, The Bear. <laughs> yes. And um, these movies that are like nature films or nature documentaries or like real footage of real animals with like human voiceover. Like, this was something that I was, like, so, weirdly, I was really into. There was an Australian movie called Napoleon about, like, a golden retriever that gets, I like, love Napoleon. sent to the, yeah, sent to the outback. Yes. This was, like, a kind of, this was, like, my genre when I was, like, <laughs> a bored, like, preteen. <laughs> like, these movies, there's something about them that's, like, so luxuriously boring that I really, 
like settled into as a kid. Maybe that's why like I became someone that loves like older films because I watched the most boring type of film oh my as God. a kid this, this, and luxuriated in them. This this is a this is a movie that you can't believe. Like it, it I mean, it, it's made at a time like 1973, so it's obviously got a more experimental air. It's very lavish. They're trying something and you can totally tell that exactly as you said, like for a kind of preteen audience and, and an audience that wasn't really looking for teeth in like a, a you know, a, a story of about conformity and, and wanting to go your own way. Um, yeah. You can totally tell that it, it's successful and it's got like the, the music of Neil Diamond is enough of a, a popular appeal, but, but at the same time, like now, after this incredibly eclectic and cool bunch of surprise packet movies that are in this batch, Jonathan Livingston Seagull turns up and you just like, and, and it is like imprint number 22. So we've literally gone in order from uh, imprints 11 through 15 and then the box sets and the individual films that are in there um, are in the middle. So this is imprint number 22, but like you come back to Jonathan Livingston Seagull and it's like, this is just the one that's like, if you're at a doctor's office and they had this on on the screen playing just like on a loop, like I'd be like, yeah, yeah this is a good choice. Like it's atmospheric, but right now, yeah. like after all the moodiness that we've just been through in the in the rest of the batch, I was just like, this is so bizarre that it exists yeah. alongside this. And it kind of feels like like a precursor to Happy Feet or something because yeah. it is like about this like banished seagull who, in his banishment wants to become like the expert flyer the fastest seagull and it's like kind of sweet it's kind of menacing like menacing as well it's got this danger about it you do see animals i mean get fucking fucked up and die <laughs> yeah, get like it's kind of like torturous as well at points but then it's just got like a little like some ditties from like Jewish Elvis, Neil Diamond coming through. <laughs> and I kind of think I have like, this made me feel a bit nostalgic for like those movies of my youth, movies of my preteenness oh. of like these, this is like, you know, I've talked about this like on Total Reboot last year when the Lion King remake came out by John Favreau. Yes. And I was like, going like this is what he's going for i think that's why i'm the only person that likes that remake because like he was going for this very specific thing that i like that no one else knows exists <laughs> of like these milo and otis movies of like realistic movies with like weird dialogue and, and over the top of them I, to construct I'm, a narrative i i think those weird movies the milo and otis's of the world the homeward bounds the napoleons mm. like I'm all in for those. Like the the weird one is like trying to project human emotions and anthropomorphize things without actually changing them to look more yeah. human because then they just look like they're like even more scary or even more freakish because not you know lions don't look different to one another in the wild like you know like <laughs> all lions look you know look alike all seagulls look alike for that matter um so it's they, just actually they do a good job of differentiating the seagulls i know that, that's what's so weird it's like they, they kind of find a way that like different species ought to focus on something but like yeah it's it's a really it's a weird one it's a it's um it's really weird like it's one of those movies yeah. that i almost like i kind of wish that all it was was like esoteric score, then a 
mm. Neil Diamond Diddy and just nothing. And like, it was just a pure yes. visual poem because when yeah. you get the other things, it like feels like a very, it, it anchors you to that very sort of specific spoken yeah. animal genre thing. And it's like, it's bizarre. Like maybe, I, maybe I've outgrown it and I, or maybe my kids aren't old enough for me to have like, you know, yeah. to, to throw in Homeward Bound on circulation yet. I was going to say, would you show this movie to your kids? No, no, no. I wouldn't show Jonathan Livingston Seagull. Not right now. I'd be more interested, like, knowing the genre that you mentioned, like a Napoleon or a Homeward Bound or a Milo and Otis, mm. they would all go on first. Yeah. Yeah. This because is Neil Diamond, none of, the, so- none of the ditties are catchy. Like, it's yeah, not any of his bangers. Just, yeah. It's all just weird stuff. It's not even, like, turn on your heart like the no. E.T. Move, like, song. It's like, this is odd. I think that this is one that like is only going to be seen and owned by people that get the full batch. Yes. This is one I can't imagine like I don't know cuz I also was like trying to find out like what did people think about this movie when it came out and Roger Ebert has this awful scathing one-star review <laughs> that like it reminded me of like why it took me so long to like get on board with Roger Ebert as like a young cinephile cuz he talks about how he like walked out of the cinema like 45 minutes in and he's like and he said that, like, usually he stays for a bad movie, so he's got some juice to mock it. But this one is like, I couldn't even stay and watch it. I'm like, well, then don't write the review, brother, if you didn't stay and watch the movie. Don't write the review. Don't write it, Rog. Rog, sorry. <laughs> Jonathan- we have a lot to answer for your Jonathan Livingston Seagull review, mate. Give me a one star, not watching the whole thing. Hey, there was a mad twist. There was a mad twist. You yeah. missed it, bro. You missed it. Rog. It is such an odd movie, but like, I think this is like, this is also kind of one that you would totally put on like at a stone party, like a stoner party to just have on in the background with like the weird music and stuff. It's been like, what is this? It's people walking in and out of the room. Like just you nailed it. Loop. You nailed it. It is, it is only stoner mm. party. Yeah. We, this is going to replace Holy Mountain. As that was the one that we had <laughs> back, in the, back in the day for our group of friends was Holy Mountain. No, Holy Mountain. absolutely replace Holy Mountain. Holy Mountain is so much more awesome. Like, it's just, yeah. it's sexy and weird. This movie's not weird enough. There's nothing sexy about birds. Um, they've no. definitely got some kind of parasites and definitely some kind of, uh, you know, disgusting lice that you need to be worried about. And, but, you know, look, it looks beautiful. It sounds great. That's why I said, like, the, my optimum version for this movie, like, there's only one thing that I would wish on it. It's, like, the option to completely ditch, like I said, the like, the actual yes. story. Like, if you... If, Isolate the score. If you could just have a score-only version, I would almost, like, emphatically say, no, this is good. Because at least you could have yeah. this really atmospheric, you know, beautiful, like, na- like the nature is beautiful. The photography yeah. is impeccable. The transfer looks tremendous. Looks but stunning. But it's... It's kind of, I don't know. It's in that weird. It's 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 so. It's it, a movie about a seagull called Jonathan Livingston. <laughs> it's freaking weird. I don't know what else to say. It's weird. <laughs> Jonathan Livingston is not the author of this movie or anything. That's the name of the seagull. Is Jonathan Livingston. And it also has weird stuff like for the Jonathan Livingston seagull. Like it says things like when it starts, it's like in the credits for the Jonathan Livingston seagull in all of us, and you're like. What? I don't have one in me, mate. <laughs> I don't know about you, Neil, but I don't have a seagull inside me. I've, I've I no- do not. <laughs> I do not. Oh my god, that's so good. 
Yeah, this is an odd one. If you've got it, I really want to hear what people's thoughts are on yes. this movie. Hit us up on yeah. Instagram. Hit us up on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at this is Lexi. Blake's on there at one Blake Minute. At us, hashtag imprint companion. Because I want to hear what if people are watching this movie, I want to hear what people's thoughts are on it. We want we want no one knows it. We want the conditions. All right. We want drinks. We want drinks. We want lighting. We want are you alone? Are you with friends? We want are you you know what levels of inebriation are you at? Legal or illegal? How old you are? How have old? you seen Milo and Otis before? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you have Napoleon sitting on the shelf like right there that you could be watching? Yes. Do you have that? Um, we want to know. And if you do reach out to us uh, and and you tell us your Jonathan Livington Seagull stories, we may go to our physical media shelves where sometimes we are flush with things like, for example another Outer Limits Blu-ray box set ready mm-hmm. to give away and some other, some other goodies from, from, uh, from One Heat Minute Production Studios where I'm coming from you for or from DVD Studios where Alex is coming from. Um, mm-hmm. so Blu-ray Studios. Blu- sorry, oh, I still have the upgrade. Blu-ray Studios. Sorry, the upgrade. <laughs> um, but uh, So yeah, if, if, if you guys want to reach out to us, uh, we'd love to hear from you. If you hashtag Imprint Companion, we'll find out mm-hmm. that you're talking to us and we'll go from there. Yes, we already gave away one of our box sets uh, from our friends over at Imprint. The box set was of The Outer Limits, which was kind of like a classic version of Black Mirror. Yes. It's a great box set. I've been tearing through it. We gave one away to a listener called Shay. I sent it along with, uh, gave him a blessing and I gave him a curse. I sent him (laughs) Gotti on Blu-ray as well in the same box. (laughs) Uh, Because he showed us his Blu-ray collection, his physical media collection. And Out of Limits looked like it belonged there. And Gotti looked like it belonged there too, bro. Shay, I'm sorry, but you got it. Shay, it was so good to have you mm. be a part of the show, number one, by sending us a photo of your glorious collection. So thank you so mm-hmm. much. And um, I did know that Alexi was going to send you Gotti, and I didn't stop him. And uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, but it was just too good to be true. So, guys, like, please do reach out. Imprint Companions, where you can hit us up. Like I said, our, our amazing folks at Imprint, the label, and Via Vision Entertainment um, are, are often sending us some extra freebies for folks who are listening. So, do hashtag yep. us, and we'll find ways um, to, to sort of uh, reward our awesome listeners of the show. Yeah, we're gonna Gotti bomb you. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna put Gotti in the mail Next to up. you. But yes. Next up, Entourage the movie. Uh, is- Ooh, that is gonna be there. Blake has got the Blu-ray of that. He's <laughs> got to get rid of it. His I, wife doesn't want it in the house anymore. I, 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 it's in a temperature-controlled safe, and they'll be taking it out exclusively <laughs> to put in an express post envelope to you. Uh, next time on the podcast, we're going to be talking about the two box sets that are in this batch, the film noir box set and the Bob Hope horror comedy or thriller comedy box set as well, uh, which we are raring to dive into. Yeah, so I can't, I can't wait. The, the noir collection is amazing. Bob Hope is like a massive blind spot for me as a, as a as mm. like a, a huge figure in Hollywood history. So I'm excited to check that out. And especially because it's called like, a, you know, it, this little horror comedy bit is like not necessarily what I knew him for, which is fun. But yes. the film, like anything noir, you've kind of, you know, you had me at hello. And so an essential film noir collection one, which uh, means... you had me at hello, one of the classic lines <laughs> for one of the most famous film noirs. <laughs> Jerry Maguire. Jerry Maguire, where Jerry Maguire kills Renee Zellweger. Just in that moment, that's how it ends in the film noir version. But no, there's this essential film noir collection from 47 to 57 
Um, we're excited to talk about it because it's the collection number one, which means that we mm. are likely going to get more of these coming down yes. the imprint pipe. And so far already, Imprint has had some stellar film noirs in the first couple of batches. Yes. So to see them dive deeper with some more stranger and esoteric choices, I'm keen because otherwise these titles will never be seen again. Yes. So this is a great way to find them and unearth some unseen classics. Uh, look, this has been so much fun. We'll catch you on another episode of Imprint Companion very soon. Alexi Toliopoulos, you can find him at This Is Alexi on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me at One Blake Minute on Twitter and Instagram as well. And uh, follow the show, Imprint Companion. You can find us anywhere you find your podcasts and hashtag Imprint Companion on any of those socials and we'll find you. And uh, man, this has been a blast. And, uh, and, Absolutely. And, and we've been stumped. We've, after all this gush, after two episodes, we are stumped on Jonathan Livingston Seagull. Yeah. Such an odd movie, but I can't wait to continue with this batch. And then looking ahead... The next batch has got some very interesting movies in there, and I have only seen one of them. Uh, there, there, we have a, a banger of a batch um, coming, and and it's almost every one of these from my research are batch worthy, particularly 1977's The Deep. But we'll be back to talk more about that as it happens. Mm-hmm. We'll be doing a preview of those on the next episode. In the meantime. I'll see you at the movies or I'll see you on another time. (laughs) 